Hi everybody, this is Brian Janikowski, Friday the 5th, February the 15th, uh, last day before a long weekend. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Takenverts, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So Christian, we had some, uh, some data this week. Uh, we had a CPI report that came in at about 1.6%. Um, we also had some pretty poor retail sales in terms of Q4. Um, and then also the NFIB, which, you, as you said in the blog, is a proxy for small business, that optimism index has plunged. So the data that we're seeing is weaker. It looks like this, the economy is slowing down. Is it headed for a recession? No, I, no, I don't think so. Um, look, the, the upward bias of the U.S. economy is, is, is to grow. It takes a lot to put the U.S. economy into recession, especially from a you know, two, two and a half percent rate of growth, even if that is decelerating. And I think that's the key word here. We're decelerating um, to actually go into two quarters of negative real GDP growth, I think would take a very big swing. And we would start seeing it in in leading indicators like claims, which we're not. Um, and also some other sort of, you know, some 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 coincident indicators, which can be can be pretty good about um, about about showing recession. So the, these numbers, I think we have to remember that we were at the beginning of, for those December numbers, December and early, early January, in the middle of the government shutdown and in the and the middle of a, of a mini market meltdown, you know, where the market went from peak to trough about 19%. So that affects a lot of things. Uh, consumer sentiment showing up in retail sales. The industrial production numbers were weak. It's all about China. And the CPI numbers uh, were low, which is good, and some of that was just gasoline. I also think I wouldn't be surprised if we see the retail sales numbers revised up. I, I just don't think, um, you know, there people who are tracking uh, stores sales in real time were coming up with very different numbers. Mm -hmm. So there might be some data collection problems there. But no, I think in answer to your question, you know, what we've been saying for a while is slower, weakening, decelerating. You know, those, that's more the mode of what we're looking at rather than, than something deeper and more and more longer lasting. So we see a weakening, um, not a recession, but a weakening in the, the numbers. What does that mean for the stock market and markets going into this year? Well, I think, first of all, you know, we've got to look at the Fed and the Fed has came out very clearly that they're going to be patient. They're going to wait on data. And they confirmed again this week through various uh, Fed speakers, notably Leo Brunard, that they would be looking at these sort of number of risks around, so that's China, that's trade, that's Brexit, that's Europe, um, that's growth. And so they'd be sort of patient on doing anything. So I think for the stock market, that just makes an undercurrent, underpins the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the rate picture and uh, kind of gives the market one less thing to worry about. I think the market would get more worried if there was a a very big, uh, bigger growth recession indicator on the line, or if there's something very negative that comes through on the trade side. But for now, the market's pretty well supported by, even though we're seeing a sort of a, a weakening, a weakening in some of these major economic numbers. He wrote also about there has been um, some focus on uh, share buybacks this week. Oh yes, um, <laughs> yes. And we've got a couple. You know, they've been in the crosshairs of a couple different senators, namely Chuck Schumer, Bernie Sanders, and then we added some bipartisan support to that in terms of Marco Rubio. Tell us a little bit about um, you know those proposals and how you think uh, investors will react to that. Yeah, I think. Um, well, share buybacks have been around since the early 80s when they were 
when companies were given an exemption on buying back their own shares. Before that, it was sort of an insider trading problem. Anyway, so they have an exemption on that. It's been going on for years. And roughly, when we, we get about 2% dividend yield on the stock market, and we get about the same number for dividend share, share, share buybacks. So uh, now sometimes that's higher, like it's about it's about three and a half four percent a couple of years after the bush tax cuts and i think right now it's about three and a half four percent on a trailing basis because a lot were done last year you know as much as a trillion dollars on a 22 trillion dollar uh stock market so higher but um i think a, a few years ago a company announced a share buyback and the, and the stock price uh, had a, had an almost immediate reaction, but investors are wising up that not all share buybacks are created equal. Some companies made a big fuss about doing share buybacks and saw their stocks really take a big hit. You know, IBM was sort of exhibit number one on that, um, but also some did it quite well and quite prudently. And Apple's number one exhibit on that side. So I think the market is getting much wiser at sort of looking through as to what's going on with the share buyback. Is it more compensation driven, God forbid, or is it really that they've got an enormous amount of cash which they don't need to use anymore and they can't find uh, equivalent investments to the underlying business? So I think the market is taking care of it. Um, if there is legislation, then sure, and then at the margin, it would make uh, um, uh, share buybacks less attractive. But there's other ways that the companies can can return money to shareholders. So I'm not too concerned that a anything will really get done about it because I don't think it's a I don't think it's a big problem. You can't force companies to invest in capital expenditure and give them tax credits. Maybe that's one way to do it. But uh, um, but uh, I I think there'll be other the other ways to sort of create the same effect if there's a punitive tax on it. But I I think the likelihood of something passing through is pretty small. Do you think that this new newfound focus on share buybacks is more of a political factor as a backlash to um, how the tax cuts have played off? Played I think out? I, yes, exactly. I think the market has been less enamored with share buybacks for a couple of years now, and in fact, there's a couple of ETFs that we single out that have been terrible investments. Um, so if you bought them at the sort of height of the share buyback boom, and of course, every time there's a boom like that or a peak. There's an ETF sure to follow. Uh, they've been pretty bad. So the market has sort of moved on from this. But yeah, I do think it's a little bit of, there's a kind of a little bit of a new flavor in town with the, with the, the congressional Democrats and some, some interesting ideas coming out on green uh, new deals and so on like that. And this is just part of that. Um, and we'll see if it goes anywhere. Um, you also wrote about the deficit. Uh, last week, the the public debt reached $22 trillion. And, um, you know, do you see this being uh, a problem for treasuries going forward? Um, I I don't, because I think treasuries, look, it, 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 at, at one level, it's sort of economics 101, not even 101. It's uh, you increase the supply of something, you think the price would have to go down. So if the Treasury is issuing more and more debt to fund the budget deficit, you'd think investors would in, would demand higher and higher rates. But other things affect the, the rate of interest on Treasury notes, of which inflation is a very big one. Uh, obviously, the Fed can do it by managing the short end of the curve. Uh, demand for Treasuries can be, can be very high. And we kind of point to the example of Japan. Now, not all international examples are relevant or, or exact equivalents to to anything here in the US, but we saw 
Japan uh, gross debt as a percentage of government debt as a percentage of GDP go from about 100 to 220 percent. At the same time, the 10-year yield fell from, I don't know, about 2 percent eight years ago to 0 percent, which is what it's been for the last three or four years. So it's there are other things that affect it. And we kind of, you know, so we, we like the treasuries because of the low inflation, because we are on the, on the, on the yield curve. Um, and they offer, you know, a, a pretty good credit adjusted risk um, compared to other bonds. And also, when people are thinking about sovereign bonds, there aren't a lot of competitors. Uh, Japan, Germany, Switzerland, Netherlands, perhaps, where you where you go first for, you know, AAA equivalent rated borrowers. But those either run into liquidity problems or they're yielding considerably less than the U.S. In fact, they're all yielding considerably less than the U.S. So again, that makes the U.S., uh, uh, you know, uh, treasury market fairly attractive. But it's interesting that, you know, supply alone uh, is, isn't is that much of a driving factor in in, uh, in yields increasing. What do you think uh, the most important <clears throat> or most significant underlying narrative is driving the market right now? Uh, I, I think it's all focused right now on the trade talks. Um, you know, there's a there appears to be progress. Who knows? I mean, there might be, uh, you know, a few wins here or there. The fact that they're talking, still talking, is obviously good news. And uh, every single market move last week was really predicated by uh, are the tariffs coming in on March first or later? You know, are the talks going well? Are they not going well? It seems that they, you know, they're going well, but there's no details behind it. So I think that's that's really what's uh, what's what's driving everything right now. I think the the market is is okay with the. With the, with the with the economy showing this weakening, uh, because they feel the Fed has already reacted. So um, I think that's going to be the next sort of big, you know, the big uh, the big influence on the stock market. And we've had a pretty nice bounce back this year <clears throat> from the lows of of uh, late December 2018. Do you see the the market continuing to go up until we at least get some sort of resolution or non-resolution on the trade talks? I, I look. I, I wish the market would take a breather to some extent. It's mm. up eleven percent in uh, so far this year. St- small caps are up fifteen percent. Um, just as we said back in October, November, the 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 correction was overdone. It was probably sort of being far too pessimistic about growth and the economy, um, and we've recovered some of that. But uh, um, you know, there's a lot of profits that have been made in a very short space of time. So I think that there'll be some consolidation. Um, especially as the earnings season peters out to an end. So if you were sitting on a bunch of cash, you would be deploying it into the stock market this time? Uh, I think I would, no hurry. But, uh, you know, January has been a great year. January is generally a good month. Uh, So January has been a good start this year. January has generally been a good, is generally a good month in the stock market because a lot of, you know, so uh, a lot of new money that comes into play. So I think that we can... uh, you know, yes, be invested. There's no particular particular rush to get into anything. You know, we might see some bargain days um, before we see you know, even increasing highs. And the last question, uh, we haven't talked about it in a while just because um, last year it was just a terrible, terrible year for them. But how are foreign markets doing? How are foreign equities doing? A, a lot better. And, you know, it's, it's the reverse of what <coughs> was in play last year. So last year, emerging markets especially – are dependent on the level of the dollar and interest rates and global growth. So we saw global growth come down, we saw interest rates go up and the dollar strengthen. Now, two out of three of those things 
have gone back in favor of emerging markets and China's had a, a good correction. I don't think emerging markets is now what they call a very crowded trade. There's a lot of new money coming into emerging markets based on valuations and the fact that they had such a poor 2018 and we've seen a good a good uh, uptick since the beginning of the year, up about 9%. But um, it's going to take a while, I think, for you know all of those things to correct and while and if, but again, if there's good trade news, then emerging markets will will uh, will follow through. Great. Well, thank you very much, Christian. Thanks to you for listening. Please join us next week. Thanks, everybody. And here's the disclosure. Please note the discussion of our investment, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investment, investment strategy, the date of this commentary. Subject to change without notice. We cannot short type investment discussion in this commentary. We'll have for many other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. So for general information purposes only. References to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The security is mentioned in this commentary. Only several of the successful and unsuccessful investments by us do represent all the securities we have purchased or the recommended. Although we deem reliable sources of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements in numerical data. Past performance is no indication of future results. <laughs>